What's going on, God Squad Church family? I pray you are well. The Lord will continue to bless you. And I pray that today's service will be a level up. Uh, it's a new year. It's 2024. And I'm excited for all that the Lord has for each and every one of us. I'm believing him to do incredible, amazing things. Um, God is just good. It's just that simple. Uh, at the end of everything, um, when I'm having a bad day, when I'm not feeling well, uh, when I'm doubting, God always shows himself faithful and true. And I just pray this year that you would really step into the fullness of what God has for you. And often that starts, and not even often, it starts with understanding where he belongs in your life. It starts with standing, it starts with understanding of who he is truly to you and the understanding and the love that he has for you. And um, yeah, I want to see your life change this year. Um, and I pray that, you know, this service can maybe be a realization. Maybe this uh, prayer and fasting that we've started uh, can be a turning point in your relationship with God. Um, because in the end, and the truth, and many realizations you might have over time, is that He is who He says He is. And um, otherwise, what's the point of being here? And so, um, yeah. I'm going to pray and then let's, uh, let's get right into it. Jesus, I am so incredibly thankful for the love you've shown me. Your incredible forgiveness. Uh, your beautiful heart for your people. I pray, God, today that you would move in a miraculous way in this place. That God, you would change the very, very fabric of how we see you in our lives. Lord, the truth of the matter is, is today's sermon boils down to the idea that you are king and we are yours. If we can learn our place, we can learn your place everything in our lives changes. So I pray by your Holy Spirit and by your guidance and by your goodness that you would move in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. I love y'all and I appreciate you guys. Um, appreciate all the prayers and the love you guys have shown me, my family. Um, God is good at the end of the day. Is even if our bodies, our bodies are not, um, he is still faithful. He is still king. And even though my body may fail, my faith will not. And so uh, embrace him. Draw closer to him today. I don't know about you guys, but I'm the kind of guy that skips the cutscenes in video games. Um, I know uh, Susie Live is also one of those guys. And we share that in common. We have no reason to want to watch the story. We don't care. We just want to play the game. 
in games, often there's also tips and tricks, right? When you first get into a game, you might not know how to play it at all. And so game developers have created a system of like pop-up windows or bubbles that let you see tips or things like you might not realize what to do. Like maybe I need a stone and a rock and I need to rub them together over a certain area in order to create fire. Completely understandable. But some of us like to skip that part. We either hit the X on the bubble or we say, you know, we check the box that says, don't show me these messages, X, Y, Z. I'm sure many of you have been there before. I, for one, always skip those things. And then I end up confused, annoyed. Like, why can't I figure out what to do? Why can't I figure out the next step? Like, where am I supposed to go? I mean, games have literally created systems to be able to help us navigate games, right? There's been outside developers that have created add-ons to be able to help us navigate difficult games. There's been books published to help you maybe understand how not to get killed every two seconds in Dark Souls. There's been Quest Helper that's been developed so that World of Warcraft back in the day was less oppressive. No matter the guide, whether it's the fairy in Zelda, there's something trying to guide you. And the truth is, is often we can reject the nudges to link to do the right thing, to go the certain area, and we can do our own thing and add hours onto our adventures, or we could disable Quest Helper because it's just too many yellow exclamation points, or we can check that little box that says, don't show me these messages anymore. And then end up like I often do in that confused, annoyed state of mind. If you reside with anything I just said in that moment, if any of that was like, ah, I've been there, type a one in chat right now or comment below and say, hey, God Squad Church, if that's you. Today, I want you to leave this message, to leave this church service with the understanding of your place in the Lord. I want to dispel some crazy myths about the scriptures we're going to talk about, as well as have some clarity on the power you have through the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to be reading from Luke 12, 8 through 12. And as I like to often do, we'll break, we'll read through the whole scripture, and then we'll break it down verse by verse to really understand what the Lord's trying to teach us. Uh, we want to pull what the Lord has for us from the scripture, not apply our own understanding onto the scripture. And so let's jump into it. Luke 12, uh, 8 through 12. I'm always reading from the CSB, which is um, the Christian Standard Bible, um, also known as the Holman, I believe. And so Luke 12, 8 through 12, it should be on the screen. And I say to you, Anyone who acknowledges me before others, or in the chat, I apologize. Uh, anyone who acknowledges me is 
Wow. Anyone who acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And whenever they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what must be said. A lot to break down here. There's a lot of a lot of air of mystery around some of these verses. There's a lot of misunderstanding in some of these verses. I'm hoping I can bring some clarity to those things today. I believe the Lord has really illuminated these scriptures to me. I've actually struggled with these scriptures in the past. And uh, I think I have a better grasp than I've ever had. And I'm hoping um, that by the end of today, you can also have that same grasp. So we're going to read those first two scriptures again. It says, and I say to you, anyone who acknowledges me before others, the son of man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When it says, and I say to you, anyone who acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. Jesus was comforting the faithful, explaining that the suffering Christian will be given the reward of allegiance and honor before the throne of God. That's what he means when he talks about the angels of God, is he's talking about the angels of God that surround the throne of God. And what he's saying is that these testaments, this, this witness will go before you and honor you. It will go before you and honor you. Among early Christians... The, confessor, the confessors had special honor. They were the ones who endured suffering for Jesus, yet were spared death. People that confessed who Jesus was when the world was against them, when it wasn't cool to be a Christian, when it wasn't okay to be a Christian, and they still believed with everything and professed that, in every area of their life. And there was a special reward for that, that Jesus is comforting them with. In verse 9, it says, But whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. Even as there was an honorable reward for the faithful, there is a terrible penalty for the faithless. They would be denied and disgraced before the throne of God. Showing you two sides to that coin. That there is a decision that you make. And those decisions have ramifications. And those ramifications are justified. That's justice. When we do evil, we get evil rewards. And when we do good, we get good rewards. So Jesus did not say, denies me in their heart. He didn't say, denies me in their mind. 
He said something very specific. He said, denies me before men. There's a real important place for public declaration of allegiance to Jesus. And a public declaration, I don't just mean with your words, but even by the actions you have, the love that you show, the way that you move in the world. There's an, there's an importance on that. And for many, this is the most difficult thing of all. And it's usually difficult because of one very real obstacle for many people. And that is fear of man. It is people's fear of others. It's fueled by people's ability to allow others to control them. Because they're worried about how they will look, how they will perceive, how they'll be perceived. They're worried about their reputation. They're worried about the way people talk about them when they're not around. We have a very real fear of people. And that exact thing is what Jesus warned against in his previous words. In Luke 12, 4 through 7. When he basically summarized says. Why would you fear man who can take away your life. Rather than fear God who deals with eternities, right? Like that's the, the basics of that understanding. Why fear something temporary. When you're dealing with something eternal. This is a continuation. These scripture verses are a continuation. The ones we're going over today are a continuation of that idea and that understanding that living your life in fear of in fear of man leads to a spiritual death. That living your real finite life in fear of other finite beings leads to an eternal spiritual death. Do not trade the hope of an eternal life for the fear of a temporary discomfort. I'm going to say this again. Do not trade the hope of an eternal life for the fear of a temporary discomfort. They are not the same. I understand that the enemies that stand before you, the ones that you can see, the ones that can have effect now, right? It's that idea of the the uh, the urgent of, of the the tyranny of the urgent or the urgent of the tyranny, no, the tyranny of the urgent, the urgent, that thing that is perfectly in front of you right now. It seems bigger, right? It's closer in proximity, so it seems like it's bigger to you. It it takes up more of your purview. But the truth is, is just because it's closer, just because it's it's more dominating now, doesn't mean the effects it can have in your life are nearly as severe 
as something that may be harder to perceive. I'm going to put this in a really, a real perspective. If I'm holding a mouse in your face, many of you are running from me, right? If I'm holding a mouse up to you, you're probably going to try to get away from me for the most part. I know some of you are, are weirdos like me and probably wouldn't care. But for the most part, if I put something like a snake, put a snake in your face, you know, you're probably going to back up. Seems like a very real threat. Even if it's a little gardener snake, even if it's a little mouse. Because it's, it's here, it's right now, it's in front of your face. But the truth is, is if you knew that there was a polar bear or a grizzly bear 50 yards down the road, and I said, well, you're going to have to either deal with the polar bear that's 50 yards down the road or the mouse that's very much in your face, you're most likely going to choose the mouse. And if not, I would probably question your sanity. But that's often, I think, how we deal with perception. And that's the perception, if you think about it, and you think of that idea of the fear of man. We fear man over God because this person affects me right now. This is the real, the, the, the first thing, the issue, the, the thing that's present in, in my purview. And we forget about the really, very real danger of that thing that's off in the distance, that real threat. I hope that, that, that hits some of you. I hope that makes sense. Do not trade the hope of an eternal life for a fear of a temporary discomfort. The test to either confess or deny Jesus before men may come in many ways. But it will always come. That's a promise. It is helpful to be determined in your heart, in your heart, and in your mind before that test ever comes. Before that test ever comes. You have to know where you stand. If you're not on a firm foundation... And a strong wind comes, it'll blow you over. But if you're ready for it, if you're prepared, if you have your feet firmly planted, you can endure the things that'll come your way. Jesus clearly called his listeners to a choice. As before in Luke eleven twenty three, the choice is to either be with him, to be with Jesus, or against him. And here is the choice to either confess Jesus or deny him. When it talks in the scriptures about speaks a word against the Son of Man, this, this probably refers to a moment of weakness, right? If you look and it says, whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. Anybody who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. 
when it's using that language, it's talking about the idea of a moment of weakness, right? It's that idea of sinning, right? Committing a sin. But this one is talking about a moment of weakness in our in our testimony. Maybe it's a moment of you lashing out at someone and not showing and displaying the love of Jesus. Maybe it's you publicly denying Jesus. Like someone's like, yo, aren't you a Christian? You're like, I, ain't, I don't know, man. I don't know. Not me. Whatever it looks like when it talks about the Lord forgiving you in that. It's talking about a temporary moment. The same kind of temporary moments we saw the apostles have, like Peter. They can be forgiven. That's what the Lord is saying. But in contrast, he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit is in what I'm going to call a settled rejection of truth. And that will not be forgiven. So this is the part where people, this is the myths that I'm talking about that I want to break down a little bit. This can be confusing when it says, you know, you blast me with the Holy Spirit. People be like, man, if I say something bad against the Holy Spirit, I just, I just, that's it? That's all I get? Like, it's not what that means. In Ephesians 1.13, it says you're marked by the Holy Spirit. The Bible literally says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You were marked, right? That's what a seal is. It's a mark, like an envelope, a, a, a wax seal. You were marked by the Holy Spirit. That mark is the stamp that authenticates your salvation. A rejection of that mark is a rejection of that receipt. It's a rejection of that mark. It is literally like a, a, a the way something rejects in a surgery, rejects in, you know, something that's not taken. And that rejection of that receipt is like the re is showing the idea that you've rejected I want to frame it like this a lot of us just went through the holidays and you get holiday receipts basically shows that you paid for the product it gives you the ability to return it and what that receipt is really is it's showing that you were paid for by the blood of Jesus, right? That he shed on the cross, that you were purchased with a price. And you have the receipt for that. And that denial of the Holy Spirit is not like a one time of, hey, you just said something crazy about the Holy Spirit. It's a denial of that receipt. It's a, it's, a, it's a handing that receipt off. It's a rejection of that receipt. That's what it means when we talk about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's a settled rejection of God. It is not a one-off sin. 
It's a continuation of saying that you want nothing to do with Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit marks that salvation. Jesus said this when he seemed more popular than ever. In Luke 12, 1, it literally said thousands were gathered. Yet Jesus knew that being regarded as popular wasn't the same as truly being confessed and trusted. Even as he called his hearers to make a choice, he warned against making the wrong choice. The Holy Spirit's main ministry is to testify of Jesus. In John 15, 26, it says, He will testify of me. When the testimony of Jesus is fully and finally rejected, one has truly blasphemed the Holy Spirit and essentially called him a liar in a respect to his testimony about Jesus. Those who reject Jesus in a settled sense are guilty of this sin. So if you've settled that in your heart and you've rejected Jesus, then you can no longer be forgiven because you chose to reject that forgiveness. The eternal consequence of this sin force us to regard it seriously. How can one know if they have in fact blasphemed the Holy Spirit? The fact that one desires it all shows that they are not guilty of that sin. Your desire for Jesus shows that you are not guilty of that sin because that sin is a complete rejection of Jesus. Yet continued rejection of Jesus makes us more hardened against him and puts us on a path of a full and final rejection of him. You see that in the way that the Pharaoh moves in Exodus. He determined in his heart hardness. And he continued on that path until his heart was hardened. See, some people as a joke or a dare intentionally say words they suppose commit the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. They think it's a light thing to joke with eternity. Yet true blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is a formula of words, not necessarily a single word. It's a settled disposition of life and rejects the testimony of the Holy Spirit regarding Jesus. Even if someone has intentionally said such, such things, they can still repent and prevent a settled rejection of Jesus. One is intention of the heart, right? The other is poor judgment. If I've decided in my intention of my heart to reject Jesus and pursue other things, I've committed the sin of blaspheming in the Holy Spirit. If I've said some stupid things, it is not the same measure. It does not mean the same thing. I really want you guys to understand that. Because it's a question I often get and one that I think we need more clarity on. So I hope that that clarity has been fruitful. The idea of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Not because it's a sin too big for God to forgive. But it's because it's an attitude of the heart that cares nothing for God's forgiveness. 
It never has forgiveness because it never wants forgiveness. God's way. It may want forgiveness on its own terms, but never God's way. And this is the, 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 the beautiful note in this entire scripture is, then there's a way that we know for sure not to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And that's to receive Jesus Christ and to put one's loving trust upon him today. It means to stop rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit in bringing us to Jesus. Jesus is for anyone who desires him. Eternal life is for anyone that follows after him. Media has made the idea of eternity and the pursuit of it folklore. It's made this idea of heaven some fantasy. My question is, is but what happens if it's true? What happens if it's not folklore and the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people before you that believed it diligently and faithfully were right. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for you and where you're standing in the light of eternity? Because if heaven is real, then there is also a place that is for those that don't receive heaven. And if that place exists as well, your eternity stands in the balance. And your choices here on earth make a huge, huge impact. Really, the final decision is left in the hands of God, but he shows you the way and the path to each one. Whenever they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at the very hour what must be said. Whenever they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, Jesus warned them that you'd get persecuted in civic arenas, right? In religious areas. That before the magistrates and before the synagogues, they would expect opposition from both those places. Jesus spoke these words to men who would face the exact challenge. Thousands upon thousands of them since them have faced that challenge and received God's sustaining grace in it. I have friends who've stood before, you know, courtrooms, stood before Congress and professed the things of Jesus. And he's given them the words to speak. The idea of not worrying about how you should defend yourself is important. Jesus' disciples could have perfect, have perfect trust in God in such moments of great testing knowing that the Holy Spirit would speak through them even though they may be unprepared. It's important for us to understand that, that our preparation doesn't deny, our lack of preparation doesn't deny His grace to do what He said He's going to do. And our over-preparation doesn't make us ahead of what He can do in us either. The Lord has a special grace it says through the Holy Spirit, you can have this power. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing because it's a scary thing. 
to be testifying before men. It was not the humiliation which early Christians dreaded, not even the cruel pain, the agony. Many of them feared their own unskillfulness in words and defense that might injure rather than commend the truth of God. These scriptures and what Jesus says here is to reassure you that it's not about you. It's about him. And as long as you are surrendering to him, he will give you the words to speak before man. He will give you the ability to move in such a way before man through his grace and his mercy. It is the promise of God that when a man is on trial for his faith, the words will come to him. It's the promise of God that when a woman is on trial of her faith, the words will come to her. And that trial doesn't need to be in a court of law. It doesn't need to be in front of Congress. It doesn't need to be in those places. It could be in the, in, in, in the still small place of your home. You have to trust in him. It could be in a discord call. But you have to trust in him. It could be before those that are enemies of him. But you can still trust in him. There's a beautiful defense from a martyr by the name of Alice Driver who basically found the Old and New Testament in English when it wasn't readily available and it was being rejected by those that were trying to use Christianity uh, as a power tool. And Alice Driver Bible and was convicted. And in her belief and understanding she had to stand on those convictions. And she was arrested for it. And she was sentenced to death. Because she believed so wholeheartedly in what the Bible said in the word of God. that she refused to wane from it. So at her examination, she put everyone to silence. So that they had not a word to say, but looked upon another. And then she said, have ye no more to say? God be honored. You be not able to resist the spirit of God in me. A poor woman. So the chancellor condemned her. And she returned to the prison as joyful as the bird of day. They say when she was put at the stake to be burned to death for the only for the only law-breaking thing she did was to believe in the truth of Jesus and to profess him openly. They said she had a smile on her face. The only thing she could do was praise the Lord. He will equip you. In the hardest of situations, he will equip you. When you feel unskillful, when you feel like you don't have the words to speak, ask him and he will equip you. 
I believe that with everything in me, that he has you, that he will equip you. The word for make a defense in Luke 12, 11, is the ancient Greek word, Apollo Gaiomai. Or maybe a little bit familiar to you would be apology. It means to make a defense or give an adequate answer. We get the modern term apologetics from just this word and idea. We're equipped with the defense of our faith by the one that our faith lies in. He'll equip us. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at the very hour what must be said. This gives us the confidence that the Holy Spirit would speak through us at the necessary moment, even without a prepared statement, even without a prepared, you know, testimony. This isn't justification to not be prepared. It just shows the grace and love of God and his ability to want to empower you to speak the truth. To proclaim by the word of your testimony. Some games you may have been fine skipping the guide. You may have been fine turning off Quest Helper. You may have been fine not listening to the little fairy thing flying above your head. But you cannot play through this game of life without the Holy Spirit and its guidance. You'll be left lost and confused. Beat up. At one heart. Standing in the middle of the forest lost. Living in fear what people will think and say. He is the master guide. There is freedom in learning how to follow after him. There's freedom in letting go and letting him have control. Letting him be who he is. That is your God. That is your creator. There's a freedom in learning how to follow after him. It unlocks the hidden treasure. That treasure being life lived to the full. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. You are beautiful. Thank you for taking care of us. Through all of our ailments, through all of our desires that don't always honor you, we praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If no one's told you they love you today, I want you to know I love you with my whole heart. We here at Gospel Church, we love you. God bless and take care. What an amazing message that TJ just, Pastor Daylight just brought to us. Um, if you guys didn't know, Pastor Daylight has been uh, feeling pretty ill for uh, multiple months now, but today he had something on his heart that he wanted to bring to the church. 
And uh, to be completely honest, I, I love what he said at the end there. He said, there is freedom in following after God. There is freedom in following after him, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you. And I think that's a great reminder and a great challenge for all of us is to remember that. Because I know that in my life, a lot of times, I want to take control. I want to be the one that's guiding myself into different areas of my life. But remembering that there's freedom when we're following after God, when we're following after him and his timing. I also loved what he said when he said, do not trade the hope of eternal life for the fear of temporary discomfort. Eternity is such an important idea. It's such an important idea. And I love the fact that we have a God that was so willing to think that we were worth it to send his son Jesus Christ to die for us. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And so thank you, Pastor Daylight, for sharing your heart, for sharing that message with us today. I know that I hope that you are blessed by it. I know that I was. And hey, maybe today, maybe today is a day that you made a decision. Maybe today is a day that you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ for the first time. You're saying, you know what, I've been, I've been going my own path. I have not been walking in the freedom that God can give me. I've been walking in my own path today. Hey, we want to hear from you. If you want to put something in the chat, we'd love to be able to celebrate with you if you made a decision today to follow after Jesus Christ. Or maybe you made a rededication today to follow after Jesus Christ. We would love to be able to hear that as well because it's such it's really the most important decision that you can make. And so if you did make that decision today for the first time, hey, I want to encourage you. If somebody wants to type exclamation point connect in the chat, what I would ask you to do is to type in that 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 uh, command. Uh, click on the form that shows up in chat. If you're on Facebook, you can always uh, the command won't come up. But if you're on Facebook, you could always email us at our connect email at connect at godsquadchurch.com. We'd love to be able to hear from you. Uh, there's a lot of questions that you might have. Uh, you know, if you first if you first made this this decision today, where do I start reading in the Bible? What what, what how do I pray? What is this? You guys are talking about 21 days of prayer and fasting. What even is 21 days of prayer and fasting? What is this baptism? thing you guys talk about we would love to be able to answer all of those questions because the fact of the matter is is making this decision is not just a here and now thing and that's it and the rest of your life goes back to the way that it was if that's the case then you didn't actually make a decision to follow jesus christ because when you're following something you're committed to it you're committed to it on a daily basis committed to following jesus christ surrendering your life to him every single day so if you made that decision today Hey, once again, we want to congratulate you. We want to celebrate with you because it is the most important decision that you have ever made. But we'd love to be able to walk on that journey with you and be able to answer any questions that you have, be able to help you understand different things in the Bible. We'd love to be able to help guide you as you're continuing moving forward in this relationship that you just started with Jesus Christ. And so it's an absolutely amazing thing. And so uh, praise God for those of you that are making a decision today to follow Jesus for the first time. Or once again, if, if, if you rededicate your life, we'd love to be able to walk alongside you on that journey as as well. And so congratulations. And right now, guys, we're going to go into a time of giving and offering. And really, um, when we talk about giving and offering, uh, the fact of the matter is, is the Bible really does talk about giving of our finances, right? The uncomfortable subject that people don't like to talk about, right? 
And don't think that we're just asking for your money or anything like that. No, but the fact of the matter is, is to be able to do everything that we do here at Gone Squad Church, it does, it does take finances. And we truly believe in the fact that giving of our finances is a form of worship. We believe that it is a form of faith as well, believing that when we are giving to God that he is going to make good on his promises and that he's going to continue to provide. And not only he's going to provide, but he's going to open up uh, the, the, uh, the gates of, of abundance, of just overwhelming abundance of, uh, of provisions for us. And, you know, the thing is, is if you call God Squad Church your home church, and what does a home church mean? Mean it's the place that you're you're receiving from most. It's the place that you're giving to most as well. And when I say giving to, I mean the places that you're serving in. You're giving of your time, your talents, and of your treasures, right? And so, if you call God Squad Church your home church, um, I encourage you and I challenge you to give. It's not comfortable all of the time. A lot of times, it doesn't seem like it fits in the budget. But I want to tell you something. God asked us to do this. And he even says in his word, he says to test him in this, to test him in this and see that he won't and see that he will continue to provide for you. He will. And I promise you that, you know, me and my wife, we we go to God, uh, you know, quite often to ask, what is it that you want us to give? And God gives us a different number uh, sometimes. And sometimes that number is very uncomfortable. Actually, most of the time it is uncomfortable. It's a sacrifice and it hurts. But in fact, the matter is, is because god has asked us to do this it is a testing of our of our faith and once again like i said before it's a form of worship as well there's multiple ways that you can give uh, to god squad church multiple safe and secure ways if you type exclamation point give in the chat which i believe somebody has already done that you can uh you can use those links in there It'll give you a couple ways that you can give you can also scroll down to the panels below click on the place where it says give that will allow you to be able to use paypal you can also go to our website at godsquadchurch.com, godsquadchurch.com slash give. That will uh, allow you to do recurring monthly uh, giving. It will allow you to do recurring weekly giving or even a one-time donation if that's what you feel comfortable doing. And then finally, you can also use text to give. for If you're a U.S. resident, you can use text to give by texting any amount to the number 84321. But no matter how you are giving, we thank you so much. For your faithfulness and generosity so we can continue doing what we're doing here at God Squad Church of giving the gospel of Jesus Christ to gamers all around the world.